Good morning and welcome to this week's episode of The Ripple, your podcast for all the circles in your life. We have a great episode for you today. We're going to take a look at Vermont's COVID and vaccination numbers. We're going to look at Joe Biden and how he has signed more executive orders in his first week as president than any other president in history. We'll have a look at the history and controversy of Australia Day, which was celebrated yesterday, and we'll wrap up our podcast as always with our sports report. Let's get it going. In Vermont, the Department of Health reported 115 new cases of the coronavirus, but no new deaths yesterday on Tuesday. The total cases in Vermont since the beginning of the pandemic are now 11,285 total cases and the total number of deaths sitting at 171. As of Tuesday, 50 people were hospitalized with confirmed cases of COVID-19. Nine of those people were intensive care and eight more were hospitalized with a suspected case. All of these numbers put the seven-day positivity rate at 2.3%, which was the same number it was on Monday. Governor Scott and his Commissioner of Health, Dr. Mark Levine, if you recall last week, were put in quarantine after facing exposure, but both ended those quarantines yesterday after testing negative again, according to Scott's press secretary, Jason Malucci. The two were among a group of administration officials potentially exposed to the coronavirus during the press briefings on January 15th and January 19th. Both tested negative on January 20th and again yesterday on January 26th. Nobody present for the two press briefings has tested positive, Malucci said in a statement late Tuesday. Scott chose to quarantine in Montpelier office, which is uh, close to the state house. I believe it's across the street. And that office in Montpelier for him includes a small apartment. He delivered his annual budget address earlier Tuesday from a nearby conference room by himself. The first doses of the COVID vaccine for Vermonters 75 and older will be going out starting today, this morning. Just under 30,000 Vermonters are scheduled to get a vaccine in the coming weeks. The first are scheduled to go Wednesday morning. Nearly 28,000 people, 75 and older, have registered to get the vaccine so far. That means about 58% of the 49,000 Vermonters who are in this age group have signed up. It's expected to take about five weeks to get through them all. However, they're not the first in Vermont to get the vaccine. The first phase of the rollout focused on healthcare workers and people living in long-term care facilities. As of Tuesday morning, more than 33,000 Vermonters had received their first dose. Almost 11,000 have received both shots. That means that so far, the state has administered more than 55,000 doses of the vaccine. And now we'll take a look at our national news. So far, President Joe Biden has signed 40 executive orders in his first seven days as president. That is far more than any president in history. Biden has been busy implementing a series of policies, some aimed, some aimed at stopping Trump-era policies, some aimed at the national COVID response, and some of the orders are aimed at addressing systemic racism within the federal government. Here are some highlights of what he has signed so far. Keep in mind that executive orders have kind of limited power. 
It really takes Congress passing some of these ideas into new laws to address the issues countrywide, but executive orders can make changes to all federal lands and all federal offices. So on his first day, uh, one of the first things he did is he signed uh, an executive order that has America rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement. The Paris, the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, as it's known, is an international pact aimed at curbing emissions that cause global warming. He also signed an order to promote racial equality. Biden ordered his government to conduct equity assessments of its agencies and reallocate resources to, quote, advanced equity for all, including people of color and others who have been historically underserved, marginalized, and adversely affected by persistent poverty and inequality, end quote. He also ordered an executive order requiring that masks be worn on all federal properties. He also signed an order coordinating a government-wide COVID-19 response. After the U.S. surpassed 400,000 COVID deaths earlier in the month, Biden's order created the position of a COVID-19 response coordinator who will advise the president and oversee the distribution of vaccines, tests, and other supplies. Biden also signed an order that refocused America on the climate crisis and canceled the Keystone Pipe, uh, the Keystone Permit. Alongside a variety of actions to advance environmental justice, Biden revoked the permit for the controversial Keystone Pipeline, a 1,200-mile pipeline system that was hoping to carry crude oil from Canada into the U.S. but cut through indigenous lands. The measure also restored several national monuments whose footprints were reduced by President Trump and paused oil and gas leasing in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Biden also signed one that discriminates or that bans discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation in a move that was applauded by LGBTQ advocates. Biden's order will extend federal non-discrimination protection to members of the LGBTQ community, building off the landmark Supreme Court decision in Bostock versus Clayton, Georgia last year to expand protections against discrimination based on sexual orientations in federal agencies. Um, so this includes sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression as well. And that was the highlight of just some of the ones he signed in his first day. He's since also signed orders promoting COVID-19 in domestic and international travel. He's also signed another one expanding access to COVID-19 treatment. He's also signed one uh, that requires the national response to be driven by scientific data. Biden has also established a COVID-19 health equity task force. I found this one interesting. In an effort to address social inequalities exacerbated by the pandemic, Biden's order created a COVID-19 health equity task force, which will provide recommendations on the allocation of resources and funding in light of some disparities in the COVID-19 outcome that we've seen by race, ethnicity, and other factors. Biden has also reversed the ban on transgender people serving in the military. Biden repealed the ban on transgender people serving openly in the military and ordered the defense secretary to immediately prohibit involuntary separations, discharges, and denials of reenlistment or continuation of service on the basis of gender identity or under circumstances relating to gender identity. One of the other things that Biden has done is tried to re reconnect with some of the indigenous tribal lands. So he signed an executive order reaffirming the federal government's commitment to tribal sovereignty. 
What this means is emphasizing the administration's commitment to respecting the sovereignty of American and Indian and Alaskan Native tribes, Biden's ordered... Biden's order reaffirmed a Clinton-era policy mandating that all department and agency heads regularly consult with tribal officials on policy matters that may affect them. And the last one I wanted to highlight for you today is an executive order he signed denouncing anti-Asian discrimination and xenophobia. In a response to a surge in anti-Asian bias amid the coronavirus pandemic, Biden's order urged the Department of Health and Human Services to consider issuing guidance on cultural competency and sensitivity towards Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders as part of the nation's COVID response. Additionally, the order directed the Attorney General to work to prevent discrimination and hate crimes. And those are a highlight of some of the executive orders that Biden has put into place. It looks like he's going to be busy doing more, so stay tuned. Now let's take a look at the controversy uh, surrounding Australia Day. Several people were arrested yesterday for breaking COVID rules as they were protesting against the culturally sensitive Australia Day holiday. At least five arrests were made in Sydney, Australia, at a rally attended by around 2,000 people, despite rules limiting the numbers allowed to gather at 500. The day is controversial as it marks the start of Australia's colonization. Australia Day was celebrated yesterday and is celebrated every day on January 26, which is the anniversary of Britain's first fleet arriving at Sydney Harbour in 1788. Branded by its critics as Invasion Day, it attracts annual protest rallies drawing attention to the injustices faced by the Indigenous people of Australia. For years, a Change the Date campaign has been led by Indigenous Australians and have lobbied to move the National Day. The official events marking the day contain a lot of acknowledgments of the country's Indigenous past and traditions. During the Sydney protest, demonstrators shouted, Sovereignty was never ceded, and no justice, no peace, and held place cards and placards sorry, and banners that read, Not a date to celebrate, and of course, Black Lives Matter. Despite the controversy around the day, the Australian government has maintained its support for the holiday, and polls in the country show that most Australians are in favor of keeping it. The country's Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, said the date represents how far Australia had come since the first fleet arrived. Quote, There is no escaping or canceling this fact, he said at a ceremony in the capital, Canberra. For better and worse, it was the moment where the journey to our modern nation began. And now let's take a look at some sports. Sports! We now know who the last two teams will be facing off against each other in Super Bowl 55. The ageless Tom Brady and his Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be the first team to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium, and they will welcome Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, who are making their second Super Bowl in a row. Brady's Bucks beat the Green Bay Packers Sunday afternoon 31-26. Tom Brady now has as many NFC championships as, NF as Aaron Rodgers. Brady, of course, having only played in the NFC for one season, while Rodgers has played in the NFC for 15 years. 
This will mark Tom's 10th appearance in the Super Bowl. He's now played in over 40% of all Super Bowls played. Crazy. The game was tightly contested throughout, and there was certainly some controversy around Green Bay choosing to go for a two-point conversion and kick a field goal instead of a fourth down play late in the game. Aaron Rodgers sounded crestfallen in his post-game interview and raised some speculation as to what is next for him by not committing his future to the Packers. Just about every NFL team will be on alert to possibly trade for one of the all-time great quarterbacks. Meanwhile, Tom Brady marks his 10th appearance in the big game, his first appearance not as a New England Patriot, and he's looking for his seventh Super Bowl victory. Hoping to stop him is Patrick Mahomes, who's one of the best elite young quarterbacks in the game. Mahomes won the Super Bowl last year and will be looking to do the same again this year. Mahomes and the Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills in the Sunday night game over the weekend. While Mr. King will be disappointed in the result, he's surely proud of the performance the Bills showed behind their young quarterback, Josh Josh Allen. The Bills went down with a fight and seem poised to be a team that can contend in the AFC for years to come. The Chiefs won the game 38-24. Super Bowl 55 will be played in a week and a half in Tampa, and as of now, the Chiefs are slightly favored. Across the pond, the Premier League title race is hotting up, as they'd say. Manchester City dismantled West Brom yesterday to move to the top of the table, one point ahead of their cross-city rivals, Manchester United. Leicester City are right on their heels with Liverpool just a few points back. Also in some news in the Premier League over the weekend, in news that affects the U.S. men's national team as well, Chelsea fired their manager, Frank Lampard, on Monday. Christian Pulisic plays for Chelsea, but probably won't be too upset as his former manager from Borussia Dortmund in Germany, Thomas Tuchel, has been named as Lampard's replacement. Tuchel could be on the bench for Chelsea's 1 p.m. game today against Wolverhampton. There are five Premier League games on tap today that include including that Chelsea game. Our favorite English team Hull City sat atop the League One table after beating Portsmouth convincingly 4-0 over the weekend. But in true Hull City fashion, gave the top spot back to Lincoln yesterday as Lincoln won and Hull lost against Accrington Stanley. Hull lost 2-0 yesterday and left their manager and some of their fans that teach social studies on Sterling House frustrated with how poor the Tigers were in front of goal. Hull will need to turn results around quickly as they take on one of the sides in the lower part of the table in Swindon Town over the weekend. Next week, we'll provide you some updates on the winter transfer window when teams in the Premier League and across England can strengthen their squads in the month of January to make their final push towards the end of the season. Those of you more familiar with American sports can think of the January transfer window as kind of like the trade deadline. And so the last day of January brings the last day for teams to sign new players. And that is all for our podcast this week. Thank you, as always, for giving it a listen. I certainly hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to take care of yourself, take care of each other, and have a sterling week. If I knew the way I'm